0: The Cool Down is making climate topics actually interesting to learn about. They give you easy tips on hacks to waste less and save money. Awesome product recommendations. They show you the coolest tech that's going to make our lives way better in the future. All you have to do is go to thecooldown.com to sign up for their newsletter. You can also follow all their social handles. It's a topic that's going to dominate the next decade plus. Be ready for it. It's a good time to get smart on it. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game, and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right in the first half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new rewatchables on Monday. Cliffhanger, me and Kyle Brandt. It is one word movie month on the rewatchables. On Monday, we have one of the best dramas in the 21st century. That's your hint. So stay tuned for that. Coming up on this podcast, Rob Mahoney and I are going to talk about a disappointing Thursday doubleheader That kind of personifies where we are in the NBA right now and how disjointed everything is. We're going to talk about Kawhi Leonard, favorite teams in the West, and a whole bunch of topics. And then Peter Schrager, as always, coming on Thursday to uh, talk about the NFL. And it's been quite a week to talk about the NFL. To say the least, that is all next. First, our friends from Pro Jam. All right, taping this part of the podcast. It is 8.30 Pacific time. We thought we'd be taping around 9.30 Pacific time. The Nuggets and Clippers foiled our plans. This was blowout Thursday. Rob Mahoney, I was very excited about these games tonight. Celtics, Mavs, Luka was on a hot streak. Nuggets, Clips. Hmm. Are the Clips, where are they looking? I, the Nuggets are my favorite West team. Two blowouts. What does this mean? What point in the regular season are we at right now? Oh, great question. I think we're at
1: the destabilization point, right? Mm. Like the the league has been so topsy-turvy. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk this week and over the last couple weeks about, you know, Donovan Mitchell scores 71 points. There's like a 40-point game every other day at this point. But on a macro level, teams are just sliding all around the standings. Up is down, down is up. We can't get a feel for who any of these teams are. You know, during, during halftime, the TNT crew was talking about the Clippers and the fact that, you know, because you don't play Kawhi and Paul George on a regular basis, whether injury or management or whatever, it's just like hard to get a feel for who you are as a team. I would argue there's a lot of teams who are playing their guys who aren't faring much better as far as knowing who they are. It's just just been very difficult this season to get a read on almost anybody.
0: Yeah, and there's so much offense, which I talked about on my Tuesday pod. I know you you guys talked about on Ringer NBA show as well. There's so much offense. There's so much volatility with the threes and then there are these blown leads that we're seeing that like last night, the the Bucks raptors game, the Bucks are up 12 with like 72 seconds left and the Raptors tied the game. Like that it's never happened before. So um, no lead feels safe. No game feels both safe or unsafe. And you end up with situations like tonight where the Celtics are just killing the Mavericks. And yet. I'm watching third quarter, nervous as a Celtic fan because I've watched many games where somebody can can piece it back together. But just from a statement of a, of the West today, where you had the Mavericks kind of stink on on TNT, and then the Clippers, I I told you before we hopped on today, I was really excited for this Clippers Nuggets game because I think the Nuggets have the best team. I really wanted to see what was going to happen with this Clippers team, and it really feels like they shit the bed. And now I'm thinking like. I, I'm even more resolved where I was before, where I just think the Nuggets are the safest bet in the West, especially when you consider the two trades or the one trade and the buyout guy they can get. I just like their foundation the most. Their their floor, to me, is the highest.
1: I wish I could come on here and disagree with you about that. Yeah, I've been increasingly coming around to the Nuggets, and especially as, like again, you look over the course of the season – They're a team that has like a pretty clear trajectory, like a pretty clear arc as far as they do feel like they're building. They do feel like they're gathering momentum. Take even this game, you know, a complete blowout. But part of the reason it's a blowout is because the Nuggets second unit went out there. A unit that earlier in the season was a total disaster. And, you know, I'm I'm sure they will have bad games going forward too. But like Bones Highland looked great. You know, like Zeke Nagy has had like great minutes and great stints for them as a backup five. Like they've been able to piece things together along the way. Oh, my guy, Chanchar. To... <laughs> I'm not going to give Chanchar too much credit. Laco Chanchar, good job tonight and tonight only. Like that guy. Um, he, he can be a good player sometimes and a very frustrating player sometimes. No, you that know? is true. But. Um, you know, and I say that in context of obviously you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. who are coming back from their respective injuries, and it's like those guys are only going to get better. And the fact that this is where the Nuggets are right now, showing us that they can just wax a potential contender, at least at this stage in the season,
0: it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, one thing I like to look at at this point of the year, anyway, is can you survive if your best guy isn't scoring, or if your best guy's not having a good game? Like we saw with the Mavericks tonight. If Luka's off or Luka's banged up or he's not shooting well and they're playing a good team, it's pretty much hopeless unless they make like 20 threes. There's really no plan B other than let's hope the threes go in. Denver can win these games with Jokic where like he had two points at halftime. It was one for five, but it still felt like he was all over the game, which is one of the reasons I'm so high on these guys. They have so much variance in a good way. The Celtics have it a little bit with Tatum and Brown, where it seems like one of those guys is always having a great game, and sometimes both. But you saw it tonight. Tatum, triple-double. I didn't love that he was looking at the scoreboard to see if he got the 10th assist. We don't do that with the Celtics, Jason Tatum. We don't care about (laughs) triple-doubles. We care about wins. You're above Um, fraudulent triple-doubles Yeah, we're above that stuff. But they'll have the, you know, the next night, Jalen could have 37, and I think as a combo, one of them are always on. Milwaukee, Giannis has kind of, yeah, did you notice? I, I don't know if I've heard this anywhere else, but Uh, A friend of mine like a week ago was like, there's a lot of talk right now about Jokic, Luka, um, Giannis. It's like kind of quiet on the Giannis front. I could see him ripping off some games and then Giannis ripped off all those games. He certainly did. I do wonder like Giannis' radar, we always think of him as this guy doesn't say that much. Nice guy, just pretty even keel. But I do think his tentacles are out with that stuff where he's like, oh, they're talking about this guy a lot. They're talking about that guy. Do you believe in that theory with him? No one is above it.
1: Yeah. There's not a single NBA player who is above it. And Giannis is one of those guys who like is about all the right things. And yet, like he's, you know, he's, he's prideful, you know, he he knows how good he is. He knows the attention that other players get. And more importantly, I think he knows like the state his team is in, right? Like they, they are not, uh, they're not giving him a lot of help at the moment, especially with, with Drew and Chris in the position that they are physically. So he, you know, there's no doubt that by the end of the season, he's going to be a formidable force. The Bucks are going to be a really good team and a tough out. But at the moment, he's going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting like that in ways that, as you mentioned, Jokic, for example, just does not with the way his team is set up.
0: Yeah, and Embiid's another one. Now, maybe now that they have everybody back, they can sneak by without some Embiid games. But Embiid was in this situation where he was having monster games over and over again. Cleveland as a team... That I think has the kind of variance we're talking about in a good way, where they can have Garland can go off one night, Mitch can go off one night. They can get some defense. They might get the random Kyrie LeBert game, but I do like how their position too. And then you look on the on the West. Um, all these all these miles that the Warriors are accumulating without Curry, I think, have been weirdly valuable for them. How so? How do you mean valuable? They're just getting they they're. they're Basically, forcing these dudes to play in these positions that they're not going to have to do when Curry comes back. But I think, like, they found out some stuff about Jordan Poole, both good and bad, in the last <laughs> week, right? And I think in the last three games, he's had at least one massive screw up in the last minute of each game. But on the other hand, he's had the ball a lot for better and worse. And when he goes back, he gets demoted to being like the sixth man who plays 25 minutes a game. I actually think all the experience he got was good. I think it was good for Clay, too. I thought Clay really found his footing um the last 15 20 games and not not having the Steph security blanket i think sometimes is a good thing yes clay has
1: looked really good pool I, I agree is just being like force fed vitamins effectively in terms of like getting these <laughs> high usage reps yeah the guy i worry about is draymond right like oh, this is this is a lot of responsibility and a lot of mileage and a lot of wear and tear that you're putting on a guy that is indispensable to your team yeah, And yes, he's not the one who we think about when we say like, okay, obviously Jordan Poole is the one picking up a lot of the scoring while Steph is out or Clay is popping off or you know even some of the bench guys are having really good nights here and there. But like the load Draymond has to
0: carry to keep that team functional right now is what I worry about. And he's in his like, he'll, he gets his seven, nine and eight. He's the weirdest box scores. It's almost <laughs> like, I always felt the LeBron should be the 27, seven and seven. You know, we go, oh, we got a triple double. Like I just feel like you get a LeBron. It's a twenty-seven, seven and seven. The Draymond is like an eight 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 or 8 or like a seven 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 or something where you just hit three of the things, but you still have single digit points. Um, if you look at the West, Memphis had a big week. L- nice little run where they won the three the three and four days. Adams and Triple J got going. Triple J had a big game today. They're Monster starting game. to they're starting to show some some signs. Still feels like they probably have a trade to make. But I, I said on Tuesday, I still have it. If you're telling me who's going to make the finals, my money would be on Denver and Golden State with Memphis lurking as the third team and then a drop off. Who do you have? Who do you have as your top two and then your your lurker?
1: I agree. Denver is one of the top two. I agree. Yeah, I think Golden State is the other one by default. Like they're still just way too good when Steph is yeah. out there. For Lurker, I'm I got to admit I'm compelled by the Pelicans. Like I wow, w- we're still learning a lot about them. Obviously, we haven't seen them at full strength basically at all this season, but Zion has been so good. And mm. more importantly, when I think about Memphis, I think about them matched up with those other two teams. Like the way Jokic inverts the floor is very stressful for Memphis's defense and what he's been able to create for other guys. And like I just think about Aaron Gordon, for example, a guy who's been totally activated this season. Just feasting based on his strength, even against a defender as good as Jaron Jackson Jr., just like by Mm. powering his way inside. Like I can I have that vision in my mind of even a defense as great as Memphis just having a really hard time with everything that Denver can throw at them. The Pelicans
0: are just like they have physicality. Wait, can you can you go back to the Grizzly thing for a second for the Gordon point? So what would they need before we talk about the Pelicans? In terms of Memphis? Yeah, because like Verno's pretty convinced. They have the assets and the willingness to make a trade because this is Jaw's last rookie salary cap year before it jumps. And if you're going to make the move, you make it now. This is a competitive advantage for them. So, what do they need? Who is it? Is it like an Ananobi type?
1: I mean, pretty much every team in the league could use an, yeah, yeah, an Ananobi but, type, right? So, like, I think it's, like a
0: defensive swingman who's just a physical, can shoot some threes. Maybe he's not. He's your third scorer, but he he brings. Michael Bridges like those type of guys like is that what they need?
1: Yeah, I mean I like if anything the Ananobi model even better than a Michael Bridges type model just in terms of someone who's more of a 345 defender than mm-hmm. they are necessarily like a 234 defender if that makes sense like just with a little more brawn who can who can like hold their own in those kinds of matchups it's a weird thing to consider about a league that is so perimeter-oriented that you might want more brawn at this, fa- like this stage of things. But when you think about who the breakout stars are right now, especially on the younger side of the bracket, it's guys like Ja, it's guys like Zion. It's very like straight-line-at-the-basket oriented. I want yeah. like physical, as much physical resistance as possible, not just in terms of length and activity, but the guys who are not going to get bumped off their spots. All right,
0: back to the Pelicans. So make the case. Other than that Trey Murphy... Continues to be the wild card. <laughs> Was not expecting the uh, the Herb my guy Herb Jones to basically get shut out by the amount of good swingmen that that team has. I think
1: some of it is just the matter of we've seen them in all of these like mot like you know uh, improvisational forms with players out of the lineup and in particular Brandon Ingram out of the lineup and just making their way, just trying to fit, just like plugging guys into holes. And they've consistently found ways to to at least make it work on a somewhat regular basis. Right. And having all those tools, having all those options behind what still might be like one of the most unstoppable physical forces in the league in Zion is is pretty compelling to me at this stage. And I think that has as much to do with the Pelicans as it does looking at the rest of the West and saying, what else is there right here now? Like, like what, else, what else am I supposed to be sold on and really confident in when the Clippers are getting blown out by 40 points on national TV and the Grizzlies, while, while great, might still be a move away. They might just be a team that's kind of in that position, and until we see it, you know, I'll, I'll believe that trade when it happens, and we can we can talk then.
0: Yeah, you think with the West, Jokic okay, just the matchup nightmare night after night after night. There's really no way to attack him. He'll just be like, "Oh, you're doing it this way, then I'll do this." The, these, "Oh, you're doing this, then I'll do this." Guys, Luka's like that. Curry's a version of that where he's just so hard to play, and how they use him that there's just no real way to be like, "We're stopping this." We got this. Memphis is the only one who's like the conventional old school. Here's what we have. We have a bunch of shooters. We have this guy who's going to attack the basket. And the more physical resistance you can put against that guy, the better off he might be. I think they need a little more, more variance, especially with the uh, with the bench scoring. Because um, I, I keep trying to think about them in a playoff series. And all right, let's say Triple J has one of his three for 10 games you know, Dylan Brooks is is being weird and they're down three, two in a series and Jaws, who is your variable guy? Who's your guy out of nowhere? Who's your guy that put up 20 in the first half that I wasn't expecting. And there's got, those guys are available. Like even if they went a little smaller than the Ananobi, like all in kind of trade, they're still like those Jordan Crawford type guys that might be available. Right. Especially if Utah decides to be a seller. You mean Jordan Clarkson? You mean I mean Jordan Clarkson. My bad. That's the second time I've done that. I'm turning to Eddie Edelman. Jordan Clarkson. Yes,
1: those guys are available. I think where it gets tricky is like balancing all all of the. Uh the constituencies you need to accommodate in Memphis. Like Memphis is getting a little crowded. Obviously, you want the ball with Jaw as much as possible. If you're not trading Dylan Brooks, he's going to have the ball whenever he wants to effectively.
0: Might be a reason to trade
1: him. You know, I think a a pretty decent one. Uh, And we're seeing lots of reasons this season why Jaron Jackson is a guy who you want to facilitate his growth as an offensive player. And that Mm. that goes far beyond... Him being the spot up guy while Ja drives. Like he has a lot of versatility and variety to his offensive game that's just just starting to bloom. And we've seen them kind of like, you know, since Desmond Bain has been back, he hasn't quite looked as good as he did earlier in the season. And you want to keep, again, keep cultivating that. A guy who is a 20-point scorer at stages in this season. Like, how do you, how do you take that away? And yet it's like, how do you, how do you have all of that and bring in another mouth to feed for an offense that as it stands is like,
0: Pretty good, but not great. Yeah. We were talking during the Dallas game how many guys on Dallas would crack the Celtics rotation? A very bleak thought. I spun that at you and you, you like just got bummed out. You <laughs> became sad. Luka obviously would crack it. Finney Smith would probably get the Hauser minutes. Yeah. Dinwiddie, I just don't think bumps white smart. Brogdon, um, and, uh, who am I missing? White, smart, Brogdon. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he bumps any of those guys. Christian Wood, I don't think plays. Now, you could argue maybe he gets the, uh, some Horford minutes. I don't know. I just don't, I don't think the Celtics would want him or use him. They don't Bullock really need for, what he does at all.
1: You know, like, Bullock, if
0: yeah. Bullock, no. No. Um, Tim Hardaway would be the other option if, you, if I'm giving away the 15 Hauser minutes. Dwight Powell, no. Lincoln, no. And Bertons, no. That's pretty bleak if you're Dallas because that's one of the best teams in the league and you have one and a half guys that can play for them.
1: Some of that is just straight up like talent for talent. The Celtics are one of the more stacked rosters in the league. Some of it is just the styles of play are so polar opposite in terms of what yeah. they're asking of those guys. Like, I think you could honestly do a similar exercise on the other way where it's like Dallas is better with Dinwiddie than they are with even, even Brogdon in that role, right? Like if yeah. you were asking Brogdon to do what Dinwiddie is doing, basically iso create and like bulk pick and roll when Luka's out of the game, it's not really his strong suit either. You know, so that's no. just, the, what, what those two teams are asking of their players are totally different. And I think we're seeing you know, some of the limitations of of the Dallas model, certainly. And, and you know, they're not going to look great when they're having multiple rotation players out with injury. And they're certainly not going to look great when Luca also sprains his ankle in the first half and isn't right. moving so well. Uh, but the Celtics just have a lot of fail-safes. You know, they have a lot of stuff built into the way they play where they're going to punish you. If you, if, you're, if you sprain your ankle in the first half, there's nowhere for you to hide against the Celtics. And that's not because they're going to ISO you. They're going to put you in the blender. They're going to keep you moving. They're going to engage you and force you to move and really challenge, challenge your mobility and your awareness and your state. That's, that's hard. That's hard to keep up with. It's what, it's what makes the Celtics one of the more formidable teams in the league right now and what keeps Dallas kind of searching over and over for answers and basically begging Luke to have 60-point
0: nights to bail them out of some of these games. What also is what makes the Celtics so frustrating. 27-12. <laughs> sure. and 6-7 and seven in their last thirteen. They have 16 10 plus wins, which they're one of those teams, like if you're going to bet them, you should just bet like the double figures win for them because 66% of the time that's going to happen. There, There's, now this is mostly coming from my dad. So I'm not going to say Celtics fan base is freaking out, but my dad's freaking out a little about the coach. So we, we had our first, I kind of miss him. May, do you think he'd ever come back conversation? We kind of wow. test drove it. Yeah, wow. we test drove it a couple of days ago just after that OKC game when they lose by, you know, 35 to no SGA. We just, we gave it a test drive. It didn't really take, but we felt like we had to do it. Um, he's a rookie coach. And I, I think the one thing that drives me nuts about him is the no timeout thing. Just because, I call me crazy, but I just like when coaches do what works for the other coach that are really good, like Spolstra or Steve Kerr. The coaches that, Rick Carlisle, the coaches that have just won a lot of stuff, and usually they call timeouts when the game's slipping away. They have some sort of sense of, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Let's stop this. I don't like the direction this is going. And he's trying to invent some new way of doing this, where it's like, no, I'm actually going to trust my guys. And the guys are like, we like it. And and I'm like, I can point to 10 examples this season where this was an absolute catastrophe, like the Lakers (laughs) game in LA. So- I know he's a rookie coach, but I do sometimes I do worry. It's like having the sub.
1: Okay. He's not inventing something new here. You know, like this, is a, this is a very Phil Jackson thing to do, you know, in terms of like just letting the Phil Jackson the players, would still
0: call timeouts. Th- this guy will not call them.
1: Just zero timeouts. Just not, refusing to bail anybody out. Like, I will say for most teams, I agree. If you just went to the NBA Finals, you should probably be able to bail yourself out. I think that's a reasonable expectation. So you're pro no timeout, okay. I'm not pro no timeout. I'm pro
0: (laughs) character building lessons. And sometimes you got to take it on the chin a little bit. Well, I hope when we get to the playoffs, he's going to have some sort of feel. I still feel like the coaches that know how to use those timeouts as a weapon when they have a lead, it always works. I'll never forget the Pacers-Celtics series in 05 when the Celtics had most of the best guys and Carlisle would just like, he would get this lead and then he would just protect it. It was almost like watching a <laughs> soccer team that was up a goal, just figuring out how to like protect the ball. So I still feel like timeouts else's better. Um, I'm not going to panic yet about Joe, but I did have the first conversation about it. To, to it's, on, it's on, on record. Yeah. Wait, let's take a break. And then uh, I got some more stuff to throw at you. If you're looking to get more out of this NFL season, it's perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and it's super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to touchdown scores to over/under yards, whatever you want to do. On our podcast, on Million Dollar Picks, we do a little underdog parlay every week. I'm going to be announcing that one later. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. FanDuel, now live in Ohio. So make sure you get on the action also with great offers just for you now and throughout January. Don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in free bets when you join FanDuel with promo code BS. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only refund issued as non withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad from you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up. And then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board, you can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries. Maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp, a convenient and flexible way since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, dot com slash Bill Simmons. Western teams. The Suns are still the favorite on FanDuel, but I think that's just because there's been money bet on that. Denver has moved up, it was seven to one, it was six to one. Now they're plus four forty. And they should be the favorites. Gold State's plus four sixty, Clippers plus four seventy, Memphis plus five fifty, and then the Pelicans have moved up to nine to one. And that's really it. Those are the the only teams that I think are in the mix. I guess coming circling back to the Clippers for a second. Should that team be in the mix? And not just because of the continuity stuff of not being able to get these guys playing all the time, but just like, is this working? You know, like I think they have too many guys. My too many guys theory, which Daryl Morris scolded me on one year in Houston. (laughs) I was just like, you have too many guys. He's like, that's ridiculous. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. How can you have too many guys? It's like, well, there's 240 minutes in an NBA game and you can only play five people at a time. And if you have 11 guys who love to play, not awesome. Yeah, And I, I do feel that with the Clippers. that they, they don't seem like a happy team watching them lately. And then on top of it, with you don't know where Kawhi or Paul are coming from. Um, I also don't love their guards. And I think guards are the most important they've ever been with the way, the style of the game and the way the leagues have gone. And I would say they're below average on the guard standpoint. What, what else do you like or what else do you not like about this Clipper team?
1: I mean, they're confounding. And some of it is what you're talking about. Like, on paper, they do have too many guys, and you could see that from the uh, preseason perspective. You know, I wrote about this for the Ringer yep. about like having the ability to feel through the season and figure out which guys fit and which ones don't. You can make trades, you can consolidate. There should be lots of options available to you, and yet I don't feel like we've really had like a a very like clear answer of like who their preferred players are. You know, there's yeah, been, who's there's your been, five? There's been stints when like, you know, Robert Covington, who could be an important part of this team, is just like totally out of the rotation entirely. Obviously, they've had to do like all kinds of things just to accommodate not having Kawhi or not having Paul George at any given point in time, or not having John Wall at any given point in time. He's been managed a lot this season, too, in terms of his his health situation. So it's really hard to get a feel for that. I think what makes me pause about the too many guys thing being a problem necessarily is that by and large, their defense has been good. And that's where I would expect if there were a too many guys problem, it would be guys like, yes, they might hunt shots. Yes, there may be offensive problems. But like defensively, if the attitudes are bad, that's going to show in the bottom line. Like They're not going to guard if they're not bought in on the idea. And the fact that they're still pretty solvent offensively gives me some hope that there's at least a level of buy-in there and a level of like, okay, we have the pieces we need. We just need to figure it out. That said, there's a lot to figure out. There's just so much more that the Clippers have to sort out between now and the start of the playoffs than any other team in the league. And they're not giving us much reason beyond just like the talent on paper to, to be confident in that theory at all.
0: So who is your favorite five? Would Zubats be in it? I think Zubats is in it. So you and, have the two, and Kawhi you have and Paul, the two stars. I think
1: Batum is in it. I think he's a pretty important connector for them. Like You need that ball movement. Beyond that, it really is, I think, a night by night thing. Because like Norm Powell is so up and down in terms of his shooting, I could see you wanting, you know, the defense yeah. of a Terrence Mann or just like that chaotic energy on a certain night. And honestly, if I had to say, like, which Clipper have I been most
0: impressed with this season? Luke Kennard has been surprisingly pretty saying, good. <laughs> like, I was going to say he's my fifth guy for that for that fivesome. We agreed on the first four. <laughs> I, didn't I think Zubats I would get and here, Luke Kennard, and ugh. yeah. I'm with you. I think he's played really well, and the stats back it up too. You look at um, they only have two lineups that have played more than a hundred minutes so far, and the Paul George Morris Jackson Zubots, Canard they're plus ten point eight per hundred. Yeah, and then uh, the other one, the other one has Kawhi in it with Morris. The Morris part—that's another one where it's like, do you really need Morris too with all the stuff you have? I just don't. I don't think they built the right team for 2023. I think if this was 2017, interesting. so we you know where it was a little less guard oriented, I just think the guards are so important now and I don't think the John Wall thing has really worked for them. Because yeah, I want shooting around those guys and teams just play 5 feet off him. You know. Yes. What, so what what do you see as being the like differentiating
1: points between 2017 NBA and today's NBA that that you need to accommodate?
0: Um, the pace and how important guards are, and I yeah. think there's just more good guards now. We have every year. We've just added Garland, Halliburton, um, Trey Young, all these dudes. Like Brunson's emerged as a guy. You go on down the line, and even the guys who are young and aren't really anything yet, like like Jade Ivy, he's still 20 years old and fast and can have the ball and can go by people. Indiana has Nembhard, like we we just didn't have guys like that. Six years ago, these dudes that can just go by people. And I I do feel like a lot of these times I'm watching these games and it's coming down to the guards. There's the rare exceptions, obviously. But um, you see these games sometimes where it's like Darren Fox versus Ja. And it's just like, it almost feels like tennis. So um, wait, I had one more thing before we go. Did you see this Kawhi? They ran this Kawhi stat today that uh, he has a 743 winning percentage overall in the regular season and then the playoffs it's like 80 what but I was I had a I I locked this away a while ago because I was always fascinated by the winning percentage stat and I never understood why it wasn't a bigger deal regular season and playoffs combined there's only four guys ever and I don't know if Kawhi qualifies for this because I haven't seen the combo stats there's only four guys ever who are 700 and higher Magic Johnson Bill Russell Tim Duncan and Larry Bird. Wow. And Magic was the highest at 728. That's regular season and playoffs combined. So I think Kawhi is close, but it did make me think like, I I think it's the strangest career of all the great players, right? He was the best guy in 2019 for a title team. He was also a finals MVP in a series that had LeBron on the other team. Every year his teams have been good, but yet he's missed like crazy amounts of time too. It's almost like the, it's like the parallel would be Bill Walton if Bill Walton played more 45 years ago. But there's really nobody like him. I think he's going to retire and we're going to have a lot of trouble putting the career in their perspective. It's was like, was he, he kind of was as good as like, he was on that LeBron level for a couple years. years, but he couldn't sustain really any of it. But yet I still feel like maybe he's on that level. I don't know. I, he's the most confounding guy in the league to me right now.
1: He's going to be the ultimate like, do you value peak or longevity guy, right? Like, if if you purely value who was this guy at his absolute best, he could probably go toe to toe with a lot of the greatest players in NBA right. history. Ceiling wise, yeah, yeah, ceiling wise. It's just, and it, we may, we may need a third categorization for him because it's not even like peak and longevity. There's just like an availability question where you almost can't compare his win percentage stats to those guys just by the sheer number of the games played, the sheer yep. consistency of those games played, and more importantly, what those games mean. You know, if, if you are a an every-night superstar presence and your team is winning 70-plus percent of its games, that is a franchise-altering development. And Kawhi Leonard can still be a franchise-altering player. And he
0: wasn't that for the first four years in San Antonio. That It didn't no. really happen until 2016. No. And I mean, that's, that's a whole...
1: A whole nother way in which Kawhi is a phenomenally weird player to consider is you still hear a lot of noise about his exit out of San Antonio and what happened. And he's one of the only players, at least in that superstar position, to be a finals MVP and then just walk away from a championship winning team in the fashion he in Toronto. Just an incredibly strange case in almost every historical respect.
0: And then you have some pretty crazy what ifs with him, too. Right, it's like, what if he doesn't get hurt in 2017? Because they have yep. really gotten toe to toe with them? What if um, San Antonio doesn't trade him to Toronto and he goes another direction? What if the What if the Celtics said, "Fuck it, we'll trade Jalen Brown for a year at Kawhi. We'll see what happens." Like what if Jaylen he was Brown a career what, Indi-
1: what if he was a career Indiana Pacer and never made it to San Antonio in the first? Right, place? the
0: George Hill trade that was a good one. Then the then the Lakers one is the other one where it looked like it was going to be him and LeBron together. And maybe they go get Davis in a year, and instead, um, that's not how it plays out. Wait, what What was the chrono- What was the chronology of that? Yeah, Kawhi didn't work out, so then they traded for Davis. That sounds right. Yeah, but maybe they could have traded for Davis anyway, so you have that. And then with this Clippers thing, you have that one year where it really seemed like they were probably going to win the finals. So They seemed like the safest bet in 21. That was when he goes down. And we end up with Bucks Suns. And then we end up with that fork in the road. I forgot to ask you about the Suns before we go. Oh, man. Barkley was saying blow it up today on TNT. That was the first time. Even KOC, who I think is the blow it up GM of the, of the entire world. I, I feel like when KOC says blow it up, I'm ready. <laughs> Hashtag blow it up. I need KOC's approval. Barkley just threw it out there. And I was like, whoa, what would that even look like? And who are you blowing up? Because Booker, to me, can never be traded. But no. So for the Suns to blow it up, is that Ayton? I don't think Ayton has the kind of trade value to even make that worth it. Is it Mikael Bridges? Is it? Are you blowing it up to make a three for one? Or are you blowing it up to just reboot and throw it away this year? What What are you doing? It's not good that you have to ask the
1: question, right? Like I think that's pretty right? Indicative of where they are, and a lot of that, I, to me. If you ask, like, what are the fundamental problems with the Phoenix Suns? Obviously, we know Chris Paul at this stage of his career is pretty limited in what he can offer you, and especially limited when Devin Booker is out. Like, just is not capable of carrying these lineups in the way that he used to. For me, a lot of it falls on Bridges and Aiton. Like, those are two guys who at this point in their careers, you want to be able to step up into bigger roles when the situation calls for it. They can kind of do it sometimes. I think Bridges more effectively than Aiton. I've... This is this has been a really dispiriting season of watching Deandre Aiden play basketball to be totally honest with you and that's mm. the the problem with that is exactly what you outline like everyone in the league knows it these teams are playing against him they're seeing him kind of float through some games like not really assert himself like have opportunities where he could be dominant but just doesn't everyone in the league is clocking the same things with about Deandre Aiden that we are and those teams are not going to give you tons of stuff in a trade for him. That's that's just really not going to happen. And yet Bridges is the guy you would probably want to hold on to. So I, I don't know how you navigate that.
0: I was a big eight and defender. This season's been concerning. It reminds me of the centers I grew up with in the 80s, like the Joe Barry Carroll type guys, where it's like, they're getting their stats. It's fine if you're not actually watching it. If you're watching it, like there's something slightly missing. And it doesn't seem... Within the team, it doesn't seem awesome either. But on the other hand, you know, would it make sense for a team like uh, like one of one of the lower level teams? I guess Detroit couldn't do it because they're trying to tank. But um, I don't know what they do because they're twenty and eighteen, and the West is wide open. And I think if, and you have a new owner, by the way, who's, why does he want to blow it up? He wants to go for it. He'd probably like, you know, he's in that mode like what Cuban was like in the early 2000s. Let's go, let's trade for Juwan Howard. Let's trade for Antoine Walker. He's probably more privy to do that. I think I keep, th- I've said this a million times in the pod, I'm going to say it again. Them not taking Hal Burton was just a crippling decision. It really was. That's like one of the big draft what ifs we've had in the last 10 years, because he was sitting there and, and he'd already fallen a couple spots where it was like, whoa, why hasn't anyone taken Halliburton yet? And then he lands in that Phoenix spot and they take Jalen Smith through last two years. But even, you just think that one decision, and they've made some good ones, but that was a bad one. That one decision, it's a co- completely different scenario right now They had Booker he, and Halliburton.
1: He would change the complexion of their entire team. and. Shout out their to Tyrese future. Halliburton. I mean, but Tyrese Halliburton has become that guy who, like, there yeah. are GMs, assistant GMs, scouts who are going to be up at night for the next five years thinking, like, why, like, why couldn't I convince the right people in the room? Even if you were a believer, like, why couldn't you sell the right people that he was your guy? Because he's proving <sighs> to be exactly that kind of player—a guy who who could be a perfect pivot piece for them, right? And going from. You've been to the NBA Finals. You've been a really good team. You've tried to make this work with, you know, a slightly more veteran core in Phoenix. Yeah, But now it's time for the Devin Booker, Tyrese Halliburton era. You know, like now we, we are transitioning to that version of our team. And that would have been a hell of a thing to watch. It's a shame we won't
0: get to see it. Who do you have right now? First team on NBA. I did this on Tuesday. Uh, Jokic, Tatum, Durant, Luka, and Mitchell. And then I had second team MB, Jalen, Giannis, SGA, and Ja. And I'm already regretting not having Giannis on first team. And I think I have to rethink that. But I like, does Tatum get bounced then? Does Durant get bounced? You have two forwards mm. on first team all right now. And this is a fair conversation to have. We're almost at the midway mark. You have two forward spots. Who gets it? It's the ultimate three guys for two spots thing. It's really hard to bump Durant with that, with how incredible he's been. As a two-way guy, I don't feel good about it. I would almost say, bump Tatum. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I thought Tatum was the MVP. But what Giannis did the last three games, like, I don't know how he's not first team all-NBA. I mean, is there any kind
1: of positional negotiation we can do getting Tatum in at a guard spot? Like, is there any eligibility there given the murkiness of, of Boston's rotation?
0: Yeah, I, I guess you have more flexibility with the, with the Jalen piece than the Tatum piece. You know, because... The only certainties are Jokic and Luka. And you have those three forward spots. And then that other guard spot, that could be Mitchell, that could be Jalen Brown, that could be SGA, that could be Ja. like who knows. Um, And even Haliburton's kind of lingering. I think this is going to be, you can feel it coming three months from now. It's like one of those Oscar seasons where there's so many good best actor people and it's like, oh man, we're going to be really legitimately fighting about this. It feels like all NBA is headed that way. Just too many guys are having great seasons. It's going to be, everybody's going to be rolling. And I can hear the Embiid stuff already. I know I'm going to start getting the texts. You realize Embiid's averaging almost 34 a game, right? How is he not first team NBA? It's like, all right, sorry, dude. He's playing against Jokic. He's generational (laughs) talent. Um, I just think this is going to be super ugly. So right now, you have to pick Tatum, Durant, Giannis, two spots. Who would you pick? We're like at the 37 game mark now. I would pick Durant and Giannis. No, I think I would too. God, yeah. Tatum. Tatum, I, I, Tatum, this isn't on you. It's not your fault. <laughs> you did nothing wrong. <laughs> Giannis and Durant are two of the best 20 players of all time having great seasons. What can he do? All right. Yeah. Rob Mooney, good to see you. We can hear you on the Ringer MBS show. We can read you on the ringer.com and, uh, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Bill. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, taping this. It is noon Pacific time on Thursday. Still some variables in play for these week 18 games. We got some good news today about Damar Hamlin. He asked to win the game in writing um, seems like the doctors are pretty optimistic, so the three day whatever you want to call it is it feels like it 's winding toward maybe a decent conclusion peter schrager
2: hey what 's up i look I, I, I we all were up Monday night personally, I host a morning show, so I wake up Tuesday morning, hoping for the best, and there was no real update Wednesday morning, no real update, Thursday morning, no real update. Our show was extended an extra two hours each day because we might be getting news. So we're talking three sleepless days waiting for something, a glimmer. And then as we're leaving on Thursday from the show, and we're kind of just like, you know, at this point, exhausted mentally, emotionally, and just praying and hoping for the best. The doctor's had a conference call, and it sounds like he's got not only uh, what the doctor said, not only is, is uh, his cognitive things working, but there's someone home and it's like, there's his, and it's amazing news bill. And I'm like on cloud nine right now, because it's been a really strange 72 hours of questioning, you know, all the things that go into professional football, but also how we covered as a media and what's appropriate and what's not. And, gosh the the core thing is just you want him to be okay, and at the very least we know that he's still here and it's uh it's an amazing amazing piece of news to to get midday Thursday,
0: yeah, I thought everybody walked the walked the line in the right way because there were so many different ramifications just from that game not being played that it was hard not to think about some of the stuff but I, it also didn't feel right to talk about it, but now you know it's Thursday, and we we still don't know if they're ever going to play this Bengals-Bills game. My guess is they probably don't. Like, what's your gut? Probably not. I don't think so. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, you know,
2: obviously I'm I'm not speaking on behalf of the league, but I think that after COVID, I remember what they said. If we ever miss a game because of COVID, it'll go to winning percentage as yep. opposed to, you know the usual protocols and standings where everyone plays the same amount of games now covid they didn't miss any games they got through it and it was it was standard but once you put that in place there you could always go back to it now the questions that were emerging the last couple of days were well what how is that fair to buffalo if they were the one seed when this went down how is it fair to cincinnati all those questions it's like w- the only thing that i that i've heard or and that came from a pretty good source was that there was talk of if there's an AFC championship game and it's between Buffalo and another team then perhaps
0: it's at a neutral site and then it's okay so hey they're not getting yeah that's too complicated I you know what when one, one I thought was really interesting that I don't think they're doing but that whole idea of if they really wanted to play that Bill's Bengals game or replay it um or pick it up where it left off however you want to do it to make week one of the playoffs be the NFC games yep. and Bills-Bengals and then make week two of the playoffs just the AFC games and then basically lose the Super Bowl bye week. I was like, if we're just trying to do the most fair scenario, that seems pretty fair. But on the other hand, I don't think any of these teams are really going to care, challenge this. Like, who's going to be the dickhead who's like, wait a second, this isn't fair to us. Like, we almost had a guy die in a Monday Night Football game. Nobody's going to... People are going to roll with whatever the league decides, I I think. I
2: think there's also this feeling that, you know, Kansas City lost to Cincinnati and Buffalo. Why should they be the benefactors of this? And that comes from the fan voice, but there's also a league voice where it's, you know, is there any way we can make this work so that it does feel right? It was funny. Someone texted me a suggestion like, you know, Andy Reed Andy Reed has hosted the last four AFC championship games. Buffalo went into their building this year. Shouldn't Andy Reed just just say, hey, let's wouldn't he be a hero if he was like, I'm giving Buffalo the one seed? You know what? I'm no, It's not gonna <laughs> the Chiefs are not gonna give the one seed away. It's not their job or no. duty to
0: do it. Uh, the other suggestion was Well, also people can go in arrowhead and win anyway. It's happened. A it could just It's not the, not the most was, terrifying place.
2: If you want to nullify the advantage that you get from having a buy and having a home game, do you expand the playoffs to eight teams? I hated so that, that. I don't I like it I thought that either. was ludicrous. I don't like no, it either.
0: If if you really want to try to figure out a fair way to handle that Bills Bengals game, you play it in two weeks. But I don't think anyone wants to do that, and I don't think those the players on both teams want to play another game two weeks after and the whole thing. Just this is this is all fine. Just play it out. The game's void. The seeds are going to work out the way they're going to work, and and if they take happens, care of business, they'll
2: play. and yeah. they'll play in three weeks. They'll play in the divisional round against each other again.
0: I guess the most interesting, just from a football standpoint, was the Bengals, the Bengals Ravens game, which felt like it could have potentially meant something if the Bills won on Monday Night Football, and now it doesn't really mean anything. And now the Ravens are in this weird spot where, and we'll talk about it when when we are trying to figure out some of our picks later, like. You know, you, there's a scenario where the Ravens could lose to the Bengals and then the Chargers immediately have nothing to play for. Mm-hmm. So now you look at that next game where the Chargers are playing uh, the Broncos. Chargers are going to arrest everybody. So if you think the Bengals are going to beat the Ravens, it makes sense to pair them up with the with the Chargers to lose. The so you, sure. you, you, you usually have these week 18 scenarios where it's like, well, if this happens, then this could happen. But it's even more in flux than ever. I think the one thing that's definitely the Bills aren't just locked into the two seed. I no. think some people mistakenly thought they didn't, now they didn't need, need to win the, beat no, the Patriots. No, they have to win. They have to win if they want to be the two seed. And they'll also know Vegas beat KC on Saturday. Yes. that's so, that is, that is yep. But I wonder, like, like, what have you heard? i I just can't imagine how you play football six days, yeah,
2: look I'll tell after you this.
0: that after like now that we kind of really know what happened or at least i I feel like we know ninety five percent of what happened the guy's Hamlet's heart stops, right he's getting c p r within a minute it's one, probably one of the best ten yeah, aggressive c p r
2: ten minutes in front of them of of someone pounding on his chest so that's they why they
0: were so because it was they it was unclear what. As we were watching, we Why had some look idea. So Why they Yeah, what made this different than the typical like Josh Sweat going down on in on their, Sunday and all in that? Their stuff. clear
2: vision, all of them on the field, and I was told some guys were were sick afterwards, watching CPR being administered, but not just hey, aggressive like right. beat like to revive their teammate who didn't have a pulse on the field,
0: which like you would only even know what that looks like from like TV and movie shows.
2: Oh. And right? I've talked, I've spoken to. Um, to to clinical physicians, that is defined as trauma. That is a real-life trauma. You watch that and you it's, it's like you're witnessing something as horrific as you can imagine and you witnessed it and you witnessed it with others and that is a traumatic event that they all went through and have to have flashbacks to and have to see and that's real scarring stuff for them and you're asking, how do you turn the page? And I was talking to, um, <clears throat> I've spoken to all the Bill's several of the Bills coaches, but I was talking to one of them on the offensive side of ball, and he says, it's this crazy dynamic of, I'm game planning for a Patriots team that is that is coming, no matter what, with their defense. Judon's coming. like they're, they're, yeah. Judon doesn't feel bad for us right now, and he might in a, a human element, but when the playoffs are on the line for the Patriots, I've still got a game plan for that while um, on the other breath, I'm totally messed up by what's going on with
0: Hamlin. And, um, well, I'm, sure, and they, I'm sure the Bengals are... They can't be feeling awesome either. Like they were on the field, they saw it, and you know that—that's why part of me wonders if, like on Friday, the Bills and the Bengals, like we're not playing this week. We need another week. What do they do? uh,
2: They—they had a walkthrough on Wednesday. The Bills—they had a walkthrough on Wednesday, and I was told a lot of it was conversations. And they're supposed to have a full practice Thursday, Friday. But I'm with you, like. One of the cool things that came of this, and you know, you're a you're a parent of a youth athlete, two of them. And yeah. you just hope you just hope that the coaches not only are great leaders, but that they're your kids are in great hands and that they care as much about your kids as you do out there. And one of the things that Especially I love. Especially
0: in the moment when you have yeah, to make quick snap decisions.
2: Is that, you know, McDermott told Taylor and I don't know what's out there, what's not. I've spoken to both those guys that McDermott told Taylor, I've got to go to the hospital and be with this guy. And Taylor, without yeah. even a question, said, no, go do that. And then Taylor's captains, including Joe Burrow, came to him and said, hey, we, there were different locker rooms. Can we speak with the Bills captain? So Taylor comes out of the locker room, goes to the Bills locker room, asks for McDermott, who he's dealing with hell. McDermott comes out and he's like is it cool if our guys come and chat with your guys and then out comes Josh Allen and Burrow and Allen and the captains are basically like we're not playing this are they and they're like no we're not playing this and the coaches were all like yeah no we're not playing this so whether the league wanted them to play I don't think anyone in the league was like go out there and play that's not the story but the fact of the matter is these coaches I don't know 20 years ago if they weren't like everybody stay fresh like say what you want. Oh, wait a second. I
0: I would say 10 years ago, they're, they're continuing to play.
2: Stay fresh. I think social,
0: I said this on Tuesday in the, in the pod, I think social media has completely changed the equation with this stuff because they at least have the ability to go on Twitter and to sample size reactions. And now we know Twitter is a horrible place a lot of the time and it can really send you down the wrong holes, especially if you're only following people who, you know, agree with yeah. everything you think and all that stuff. But in this case, you have a lot of, lot of football media people um, who are, are pretty impartial. A lot of and current of players were, who
2: are watching. And current players
0: football. and former players. And everyone was saying the same thing. Do not keep playing. And there's no way they didn't have somebody. I don't think Goodell was looking at it, but there's no way somebody that didn't report directly to him wasn't like, I'm going to look at Twitter to see what people think. And when it's 100%, people are like, stop this, no more, don't play tonight. That had to affect what they thought. But I think you're right. I think in 2009, they keep playing.
2: Totally. I do. Or, or they at least go out there, rack on the field and start. But like these two guys, and it's funny, it's these two guys, because I've always, um, I talked to these, you know, we did flying coach together. And, you know, I get laughed at a little bit when I'm like, oh, I'm friends with this coach. But one of the things I do in my job is I'm one of the, the guys who actually talks to the coaches and it's not yep. just on a X's and O's because I can't speak that the way that I'd love to speak that. I just can't. So it's a lot of human stuff and it's storylines and whether you're a listener and you like that or you don't like that, it's fine. But one of the things I've said about these two guys always is that, you know, in-game management and you and I have talked about, you know, why well, especially you the ball Zach to Taylor, a, why yeah, give yeah. the ball to Trent Taylor on an end around against Kansas city when it's fourth and one and you yeah and I'll throw Kingsbury in this mix. I'll throw a lot of the coaches that everyone says, get rid of these guys, like, emotionally, and I think uh, on a humanity level, like, they really connect with their players. You know, Cliff had a guy on his team, a player, unfortunately, pass away this summer, and it's like, okay, I got to go to work the next day and kind of talk with it, and it's more open and honest and vulnerable, and hey, let's not take out the balls today. Let's discuss how we feel, and that is impossible to imagine 15 years ago. Impossible. That McDermott would say, we got the Patriots on Sunday, but let's... Let's not worry about that. We've got mental health specialists and we've got uh, you know multiple doctors that are on hand. And if you have something to talk about, talk about it. I thought New York Giants was really interesting. You know, Joe Shane and Dable, Joe Shane helped draft Hamlin last year. Dable was a coach mm. last year in Buffalo. And they brought over Isaiah Hodgins, who's having a great season, Matt Breida, who's been great, John Feliciano, all these ex, Nick McLeod, who's in the same room. There's like seven ex-bills on the Giants. So Dable started off yesterday by saying we're not talking football, we're not doing any of it, like let's have a little round table discussion and everybody just just we're here for each other. And yeah, I love that. I think that is what should be going on. And and whether it's in your workplace or whether it's in professional work, like it's taken a long time. And maybe it's maybe it's post-pandemic, maybe it's social media, maybe it's whatever. But I, I think football really did take a backseat to the mental health of this whole thing. And now they're told, all right, it's got to click in, and I'm curious to see the output on the field on Sunday.
0: Totally different situation, but I remember after nine eleven, like even three days after, it was like, are we ever going to have we ever going to have sports again? Like I just it just seemed like everything was over. We're, we're going to be going to games and paying tickets and drinking beers in the stands, like that. That world's done. What this new world yeah. we're going to? And then you know after. A few days, I think you take a step back, people calm down, and they're like, "We need life to be a little bit normal again." And it feels like that will happen this weekend, Can't. where football is such a big part of of everybody's life. On Tuesday, Wednesday, it seemed inconceivable we would watch football, yeah, or and be now, able to talk
2: football. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a good. T- can I can I make a parallel to your other world in the pop culture world? Like I was thinking today on Good Morning Football, we started talking about. You know the implications of Lions Packers, and it felt a little bit like when Gilbert did the aristocrats joke, or when you right. had Rudy Giuliani come on SNL and say like, "It's okay to laugh again." Like that's what yeah. it felt like. Again, it's not nine eleven. Just it's talking football. That, yeah, yeah. Just being talking normal scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think once you do it, and now that Hamlin, I, you know, knock on wood, it seems like is on the path back. Yeah, it's okay to talk football, and you and I can talk. You know, stupid. I didn't even look decisions. at the games
0: for until this morning. Because it didn't feel um, right, or just because it you didn't couldn't feel assess. right, and also no idea what was going to happen, and it was just like I don't even really care. And then today, especially getting the news about Hamlin, like um, then you start thinking, all right, there's some, there's some interesting things happening this weekend, right? There's not just like the different things. This could lead to this, and all the rock paper scissors stuff, but even stuff like could the Steelers make the playoffs? Could the could Aaron Rodgers? pull this off. What happens if the Lions make the playoffs? Like That would be one of the great Lions moments of the last 50 years, just beating the the Packers.
2: I saw the stat today. No team has made the playoffs since 1970 Bengals with like Virgil Carter uh, since starting off 1-6. and And the the Lions can do it. They just need the Rams to upset the Seahawks, and they need to beat the Packers. Can we talk about that
0: Rams-Seahawks game? Let's do it. We saw McVay. There's been a couple games this year since their season ended. They don't have a first round pick. Where it just seemed like he was kitchen sinking it and really into it. I is it fair to say he doesn't? There's not a lot of love loss with Seattle and the Rams. It's a rivalry. It's, a, it's say, at least a rivalry, right? Yes, like, I'm it's sure a rivalry. there's think, respect bo- with say, the coaches. but Sure.
2: Bobby Wagner's the key in this one and that he absolutely despises the Seahawks and the organization and the fact that they cut him after yep. like, ten, 10 years there. And he was very vocal about it this week. So if there is any extra, extra umph in it, it's, it's that. But like you've always said, this is the zombie Rams. This isn't... You know, Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Stafford. This is a collection of pieces. And if Bobby Wagner can rally them, that's great. But it's asking well, could a they, lot. Is
0: there a Could this be McVay's last game?
2: Okay, so let's talk about, about let's that. Let's talk right
0: about there. that. Cause Uh-oh.
2: I I would have told you a month ago, no way. There's no way this guy is going out with this season. And I don't think it's his last game coaching. I don't. I just think... He is so burnt out. And I'm not speaking on behalf of him, but I'll say as someone who speaks to him often, this season has been really tough on him. And I'm talking mentally, emotionally, all of it. And it's paired with real life stuff. You know, his wife is Ukrainian. Her whole family is over there. Yep. He's dealing with that as well. He didn't really have a break because he got uh married over the the off season and then he got the honeymoon and came right back into things. And with all of these injuries and with all of this, he's poured in his himself into it, obviously. And I think he's, a, he's just spent. So I don't have any insight on whether this is last game, but I will tell you this, he needs a long vacation after this thing and he's going to think things through. So, there, there's a feeling that there's a chance that, you know, whether it's he doesn't coach next year or whether that he's he's uh, taking a couple months off before we get to the combine, like whatever it is, or before we get to the draft. Yeah. This guy, I you know, he's got to really, he's going to take some time after this season and make some decisions about his life, not just his like coaching career.
0: You know what I mean? Rams are six and a half point underdogs to the Seahawks. Oof. The Seahawks did not look good for two months. They looked good last week. And did they look good because they played really well or because they the, jets the Jets shit the bed? I know. And the Jets were asleep that whole game. You could see it. Like the first drive, Walker's just like dancing by people. And it was like, we're, this Jets defense was like a top three defense for most of the year. They're not even tackling anymore. And which leads me to the Salah question about, you know, could this be his last game? So- you have a a bunch of coaches that I don't think people, and especially because this is all we would have talked about in week eighteen. Yeah, we would have done this other. Then the yeah. Hamlin that that whole situation just took over everything for three days, and it should have. But I think that I like. Are the Jets going to have another? coach? I think
2: Salah's safe. You do. Yes, from good intel, I think Sal
0: they've Sal is lost safe. five straight.
2: I know. I think Salah's safe.
0: They lose to uh, who's the Skyler Thompson? They lose to him this week, six straight.
2: Yeah. They. They win, they get eight wins, and you would have said you would have signed up for that anyway. If if they lose, they would they finish with seven wins. I think you would have said you sign up for that. I know it wasn't the way they wanted, but I believe Salah is safe.
0: What um, if Sean Payton and Tom Brady come to the Jets and we're like, "We're a package deal, two years."
2: Yeah, I don't know what Woody Johnson would say about that. He would probably want to listen to it, but uh, I would. I also think that's probably unlikely. So, what's
0: your Sean Payton intel? Sean Payton spent some time with Sean Payton.
2: Uh, yeah spoke to him for a while this week, too, uh, about it all. So here's, here's the breakdown. So he's under contract the next two years with the Saints. And the way the league rules are written, if you're a player and you want to be you know, traded, you usually get permission to go and have your agent go and field a trade for you. The coaches are different. Coaching, you have to first get permission from the Saints and kind of work out compensation yeah. before you can even meet with the guy. So... It's kind of a hurdle. Oh, interesting. You can't
0: even talk to him?
2: You're not supposed to. Now, here's the difference. Mickey Loomis is one of Sean Payton's best friends for 25 years going back to working with each other. Mickey could go ahead and say, hey, we're good with it. We're not going to be upset with this. You can talk with Sean Payton. But that would take the Saints to say, go ahead and you're allowed to do it. Um, You also have to think of compensation. What's it going to take? I've heard at least a first round pick for Sean Payton. So that team has to be willing to do that. Mm. Um Peyton is has said he obviously this is how his analogy was. It was awesome. And he told me it uh on the podcast that I did with him and he says, you know, you've got this this stadium, a NASCAR race is going on, and you hear the the engines, but you're like You're like right outside the stadium. And he goes, that's how this season had felt for me. Like Mm. I I, I miss being in the car a little bit. Like I hear the, I hear it going. And I brought up John Lynch, who I used to work with on his crew at Fox. I was a sideline reporter. And I said, when Lynch took the job with the the Niners, he like, you know, texted, I think me and Kevin Burkhart and whoever else on the crew and was like, hey guys, I just missed the scoreboard. I love doing the TV, but I missed the scoreboard of it all. I think Sean Payton misses the scoreboard. The question is, is, is he going to go somewhere for the sake of going somewhere or is it going to be the ideal place? And I was like, you know, quarterback matter, owner matter. Do you need to He's bring your He's too smart not to
0: have the quarterback, right? There's no way he'd be dumb enough to go to a team that doesn't have a quarterback.
2: I think he might have enough, <laughs> it's, hubris is not a good word. It's like what you use for, for the Greek warrior, self-confidence, Arizona. enough self-confidence where, Hey, I could go and I'm just naming places, but I can go to Houston. I can go to Washington. I can go to the jets. I can go wherever. The quarterback will come to me. I'll figure it out and we'll be fine. I don't need to worry about what I inherit. Now, you look at Houston. They got the first overall pick. Then it's like, are you, are you coming there to, to draft Bryce Young? Or are you coming there and you're saying, all right, I'm bringing Garoppolo or I'm bringing Houston's Brady with fun. me. Yeah, there's a lot of different places. Denver's How about fun. Washington? Washington's intriguing, especially. What
0: about Bezos, Sean hey, Payton, and Tom hey, Brady? The, big, hey. the new three Musketeers.
2: You said it, not me. And like, does that happen over the next few weeks? Probably not. So does Sean Payton then say, well, that's a possibility down the road or none of these dreams, none of these jobs are ideal for where I want to live. I can wait a year. Like, I think the same opportunities, amount of opportunities will be available next year that they are. Except this year.
0: there's always, there's always the one monkey wrench coach firing that Suddenly, we had no idea was going to happen. It happens every year.
2: Yeah. Last year So there was could Miami. be one other,
0: like, it could be the Chargers who yeah. all of a sudden they just get upset in round one in Jacksonville.
2: And they're like, we didn't and like the way this They're like, went. well,
0: yeah, we didn't like that. That was, we're out. Sean Payton, come on in. Yeah. Who knows? And I,
2: so I, I think my, my long and short, and it might sound very long, is he'll listen to everybody. And I yeah. think he wants to get back. I don't think he's taken the first thing that's, that's offered to him. So I think he's going to take his time. And if the team isn't willing to, to let him take his time and let him do things his way, then I think there'll be an issue. But, um, You know, your NASCAR
0: analogy reminded me of when nephew Kyle decided it was sober October. Okay. How long he he wasn't gonna go out. And like on October seventh, I think he walked by the frolic room and smelled a Marlboro light, and that was it. He (laughs) was back in. He got hired by the first team that looked at him.
2: He heard the Van Morrison on the jukebox and just drifted in.
0: (laughs) Oh, Kyle said it was twenty-one days until the NASCAR race pulled him in.
2: Turn on your camera. Get that TikTok
0: camera on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's uh let's take a break and we'll talk about some of the games. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by twenty-four-seven professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A sixty-day money-back guarantee, no contracts. Right now, get twenty percent off any Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/slash-bs. That is simply safe with two S, simplysafecom slash BS. There's no safe like simply safe. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, so we're going to talk about million dollar picks. Last week we uh we went one and three on the big bets. And the big mistake was doing Dolphins' money line plus 126, Dolphins plus two and a half covered. We would have I it. got <laughs> greedy. I still don't know how the Pats won. I still don't understand how the Pats are eight and eight. I guess you could look at the quarterbacks. The best quarterback that they beat out of those eight was Jared Goff. Yeah. They beat Zach Wilson twice. They beat Skylar Thompson. They beat Trubisky. Like you go on down the line, it's like they have not beaten a real quarterback. And you have this Bills game this week. Where um, Josh Allen, I, I think, officially owns them. They've had no answers for him. Um, the only time was a forty-mile-an-hour wind was the one time <laughs> they had a semi-answer for him. But um, I do think, as good as this defense has been, especially statistically, and I do think it's done no the offense has done them no favors. This is a different animal playing this Bills team. Is it? Assuming I don't know. that assuming well, just with a mobile quarterback who can throw I mean- the ball.
2: Any other week, I'd say, of course, like the Bills are, they're fighting for anything, but I don't know what version of the Bills
0: we get. Right, can. we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. So do you getting.
2: even touch it or do you say- I think you stay gonna, away. But Yeah, I think the, you have to.
0: But the the interesting piece of it is- Bills need it. Were, if the Pats win, they're in. Yeah. The Bills still need it for seeding. And then you have the Steelers that I just think are a better team than the Patriots who might not make it because it took them too long to get their season going. And, yeah. you know, I guess if you're the Steelers, you can still say, look, this season was a win. We lost yeah. a lot for two and a half months. You know, we, we had injuries all over the place. Um, by the end of this season, we were one of the 10 best teams in the league. Yeah. And Pickett's a, a real guy. Pickett's yeah, a guy and, that has and, and, won in big games and is tough.
2: They won their last four road games. They went yeah. into Baltimore on a Sunday night. And Pickett, And it was Pickett, Pickens, and Jalen Warren, three rookies leading the way. Like it was an awesome win and it's been an awesome season. The rest is just, yeah, last week going into the, to week 17, you and I were like, all right, we're taking the Steelers no matter what. And then we watched that Sunday night game. Even when they were down 10, I think I texted you. I'm like, I still feel okay. Like, I feel like they're going to be fine. That's what you want from a young team. And whether they make the playoffs or not is irrelevant at this point. I mean, it'd be an awesome story, but I well, don't know. Well, our friend right? John
0: Justremsky points out that this week's rat line is Steelers minus two and a half over the Browns.
2: I know, the rat it line. Makes no
0: sense why it's not three. It doesn't smell right. There's something off about it. Stay There's away. a scenario where you can bet the Bills just to win. You can bet the Jets to beat Skylar Thompson, and you can bet the Steelers to win, and it's plus three twenty seven. Now, the other way to go is you just bet the Steelers minus two and a half. But if you're go- if you're in on like, I think the Steelers are actually making the playoffs. We're going to go into Sunday night, and they are going to be the seven seed. That's your scenario. It's plus three twenty seven.
2: Yeah, um, you they would need all those things to happen, and all realistic. So- if you go on, no, one by one, the
0: Bills the Bills killed the Patriots five weeks ago, like destroyed and the them.
2: Bills could also come out like a house on fire on Sunday and right. be like, we're winning this one Super for number three. Emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You've seen that. See, the Jets is the second piece of that. They've lost five in a row. I have no idea if they're playing hard for this coach anymore. They certainly didn't seem like they were last week. And the Dolphins need the game. There's a scenario where if the Pats lose, you They're know, in. If they win. They're in. With Skylar Thompson. Sure. So, to me, it feels like Dolphins-Jets is a stay away. And I think Bill's Pats is a stay away. I think so too. Steelers is not a stay away. I think they're better than Cleveland. Rat I don't line. Get, I know rat it's a rat line. Rat
2: line. New term. Rat I can lines it. I use it every other. I use it every other sentence. Rat line.
0: So you could either go Bills, Jets, Steelers plus 327 or Steelers minus two and a half. The one that's not a rat line is Jaguars minus six over the Titans. I think it's okay. a good line. I think it's fair. The Titans, last six weeks, they've lost six in a row. They're 32nd offensive DVOA and 30th defensive DVOA. So by all calculations, they're the worst team in the league the last six weeks. Same span, Jags went five of six, 12th offensive DVOA and eighth defensive DVOA. Now, the Titans have a bunch of guys coming back. Yeah. Derrick Henry's back. What else? The offensive line's in slightly better shape.
2: The defense has a couple big players coming back. And here's the other little wrinkle here. You know, Jacksonville's the 32nd market, so no one hears a peep they they complain about but you know Tennessee rests all their starters last Thursday they said yeah. we're going to we're going to give the NFL uh you know a, 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 an Amazon
0: a, shit sandwich an Amazon
2: yeah. shit sandwich and we don't care because we're resting them they rest them the schedule comes out the Jaguars played Sunday played all their starters gave the NFL yeah. a product and the the schedule comes out and says okay Jaguars on 6 days rest you have to play Titans five you days get, you get yeah you get five days rest The Titans you get ten days we're gonna bet we're gonna we're gonna play this uh, game Saturday for a division I mean every advantage went to the Titans on that and they got the rest and they've got now you think those ten days or whatever it is and you add the extra uh, five days that they got because they didn't play anybody on Thursday seems like Tennessee gets a bit of an advantage on that
0: except that their quarterback is Josh Dobbs
2: <laughs> yeah I can't we have can't. Josh
0: Dobbs and Skylar Thompson determining playoff matchups this weekend.
2: We've had TJ Yates play against Connor Cook in a playoff game, I believe, in the past. Yeah, true. So we've
0: been here. Jags could get a wild card if New England, Miami, and Pittsburgh all lose. I think the Titans are done.
2: Okay. It's
0: in Jacksonville. In, uh, it's in Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's been pretty good. It's I really don't good. trust them completely. And there's a chance the Titans hang around and do variable stuff. But Josh Dobbs? He wasn't even on a team two weeks ago. So I want to put Jacksonville in a tease. Okay. And we either put them in a tease or a parlay. It could go a variety of ways. Um, I think the looking at the Bengals against the Ravens, who now doesn't seem like they really have anything to play for now that the division is off the table... Can we talk about Lamar? Let's talk about Lamar. So, the tr- Lamar biggest is question like,
2: mark that no one's allowed to ask about because everyone gets very sensitive when you question what's actually going on with Lamar.
0: Let me ask you, is it a question mark? I think you can kind of read between the lines and understand what's going on, right? I don't think it makes... It seems I mean, like Harbaugh's... A, Harbaugh seems like he's checked out. He's like, i I've given up trying to figure out this guy.
2: They don't know. It's now, like a
0: Kawhi Leonard situation all of a sudden. It, and it, it it has to tie to the fact that they didn't take care of him with the money.
2: Look, they tried offering him a two hundred million dollar contract before the season and he didn't want to go into it then. So I I look, I don't this doesn't come from the Ravens guys. I just know there's an overall not frustration, just kind of a feeling of, well, Lamar is Lamar and that's Lamar. And it's like they I don't disagree.
0: Have what, I think it's frustration. I don't I'm think I'm
2: curious to hear I want to hear from the team though, because at some point the players look to you and say, Okay, bro, I get it. But like Hey, we're all playing through pain right now because that injury at first, and you've spoken to different orthopedic, you know, experts. We, everyone's pain tolerance is different, but that injury was supposed to be, you know, if it is what they said it was, it's two to three weeks, and then yeah. maybe you rest and you come in the playoffs. But like, there's no guarantee Lamar's playing in the playoffs. There's no, no. guarantee he hasn't given them that word, and you know he's working with the team doctors, so I'm sure that you're hoping uh, that that things are tracking right. But like, you could tell by Harbaugh and some of the other people who are speaking, they're just like, it's almost like. Hey, we don't know. When he says he's ready to Ooh. go, we'll go. Let's we'll say we were Lamar's anyway.
0: best friends in the world. Kyle, turn the TikTok camera. We're Lamar's best friends in the world. And his knee doesn't feel 100%. He's got no receivers. And it's a game where there's seven-point underdogs in Cincinnati who has a much better team. And he's not 100%. And he has no contract at the end of the year. And he's like, I don't know if I should play in this game. I think I, think I think I'm going to be in a worse spot career-wise and everything else, health wise, there's not a lot of upside other than doing this for my teammates, but I might not even be on this team in in three weeks. Should I play? For week now,
2: eighteen, I would say as my friend, I would say no. Now the question is a week from now in the wild card round. Yeah, in the playoffs you're that, playing. Does
0: that change? Are you? Well, what is this, like a like a college bowl situation? I do It's I like don't the know. seniors they, is just like, I'm out, I'm going to the draft cup.
2: I'm. We have, this is, I mean, Lamar is as unique a player that we have seen when it comes to these contract things and when it comes to it, and I don't think he's, no, he's definitely injured. The question is, is he going to be able to play? Is he healthy enough to play in that week? And if he doesn't feel healthy enough, is Lamar going to say, you know what, screw it, I'm going to play. It's the playoffs. This the is the most interesting is.
0: story of the week.
2: And no one can talk about it because, because everyone nobody. Gets so it's Kawhi. It's Kawhi. And there's, it's Kawhi all and there's over also again. so many. He doesn't. He doesn't have the agent. He doesn't have the yeah. marketing guy. He doesn't have. So you look to the teammates, and they all love him. So it's like they they missed the last few weeks last year, and that was unfortunate. they missed the playoffs. Like this would be two years in a row that he didn't play the final month of the season, and they are in the playoffs. And you want to say ninety nine percent he's going to be out there, but I I have grown to know that. to to guess Lamar Jackson's maneuvers at this point in year four or five, whatever it like is, I'm not foolish enough to say he's absolutely playing in the playoffs. I don't know.
0: The reason it reminds me so much of Kawhi is there's a mystery. The team is clearly annoyed, but not being too public about it, but you can tell. Well, they desperately want him there to play. And they want him to play and they need him. And then from Lamar's standpoint, you mentioned it, he's atypical as a superstar because he doesn't have this connective tissue to the media. There's no leaks from him. No. Nobody knows what he's thinking, and which is very yeah, similar to tweet. what the quiet thing was like. Quiet, remember he had like Uncle Dennis, yes, whatever the guy's name was? The that uncle. Was
2: it. Um, and, you know, it's like, I do talk to a lot of agents and the amount of shit they talk on Lamar, it's like, you got to try to funnel it out because all those guys are like, he could be making $100 million off the field with endorsements. You don't see any yeah. commercials with Lamar Jackson. He's an awesome talent. It's true. I'm, and he just, he doesn't, he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. And he You're doesn't right. have an Why isn't
0: he in commercials? He's got
2: no commercials. Baker Mayfield of,
0: had three commercials.
2: He was on the cover of Madden. And it was like, that was it. You don't see Lamar doing that's
0: anything. That's really weird. I think the whole vibe on the Ravens is really weird. Is Calais Campbell, it seems like he might play. That's why it's tough doing this on Thursday. I think he makes yeah. that, that, that is like a three point difference. If he's out there, that's at least one drive that keeps going because he's not playing. But I think it's so hard for them to move the ball. It is. And it's like if
2: Dobbins and Edwards can get going and Huntley can move and Huntley moved a little bit. Uh, he was running the ball well too. It's like you can get to sixteen points, but you can't be winning in a shootout again, you know, and that's not their style, but they're not going to win a game that's, you know, thirty to twenty or, you know, twenty four, twenty four. They're gonna just, care
0: about the game, the Bengals, because who knows? Those pats same time. They're gonna know the the Pats at least have his defense that can keep them in on it. And I would love
2: nothing more than Lamar suiting up on Sunday, telling us that this whole thing is moot, and Lamar going out there and running for 180 yards and throwing for 220. I would love nothing more. And I would be backing on the Ravens I don't see it. And I'd be like, hell yeah, Ravens are fun. Lamar's in that conversation. But I don't know. I have no confidence that that's going to happen.
0: I really like the Bengals and the Jaguars in a tease. And I know we've been steering clear from the teases.
2: I was going to say, what about the overnight tease where... It's all ruined by the first day if you get the first leg of it on Saturday. There's and then the other end of it is you're you're halfway there and you wait. Like, are you okay with that? Just from a, I'm I don't totally okay with that. You're okay with that. All right.
0: The Jaguars line seems a, a whiff too high just because of the variable factor, but I really do think they're going to win. And I just okay. can't imagine Josh Dobbs winning a do or die, loser goes home playoff game when he wasn't on a roster two weeks ago. I know he looked okay in that Dallas game, but that was like a low stakes. Yeah. Game whatever was over. game. That was over yeah. in five minutes. So it's going to be a little different with the Jaguars coming after them. The Jaguars make me nervous. I, I think it's important to say if you're going to bet on yeah. them, like this makes yeah. me nervous. I they're I don't totally trust them, but they have won no. five or six. I think we
2: jumped all in on them when they played the Eagles in the rain and they just could not even compete. But this yeah. is a different team than
0: that. So then Packers-Lions is the other really fun one.
2: Do you want to even pick that game? To me, that's one of those, like, I just love both teams and their stories
0: right now. (laughs) Well, I think the line's too high. What is the line? So the line right now is four and a half. It's in the Vegas zone. It's in Green Bay. And I really genuinely believe the line should be Green Bay by three. And there's this extra half, one and a half points. JJ said this to us when he was texting us about it today. He's like, I just think Rodgers gets this one. There's this Rodgers... Yeah. kind of aura that's really a past performance thing. Even, even during this win streak, he's had some good throws. He's also had some bad throws. I wouldn't say he's been lights out. They've really won it because they've run the ball really well and their defense has played better. And on the special team side, they've actually made a couple special teams plays where they've usually been great special, uh, teams special teams kills their them Achilles, usually. Heels, sure Yeah, does it this year.
2: There's also this feeling that the Packers, for whatever reason, you know, they lost to the Giants twice. Uh, You know, Hakeem Nix catches a big, deep pass. And then another time, you know, Brett Favre loses at home. That, Like, when those Packers are the one seed in the playoffs, they just don't win. But when they're the sixth seed, they get on linkies like When they're scrapping. Um, The other part of it is, of course, earlier in the day, and a lot of Seahawks fans, I'm trying to think of the psychology of it, why they're so pissed, but I hear a lot from Seahawks fans that they got screwed. And the feeling is that, The Lions, although they might want to be able to be knocking the Packers out of the playoffs, and that's motivation, if the Seahawks win, the Lions suddenly a whole bunch of motivation or just the win could be knocked out of their sails that they've been eliminated before they even take the field. How that's a disadvantage for Seattle, I'm not exactly sure, but Seahawks fans are pissed by this. I don't know. Dan Campbell's guys are going to fight. They're too young not to know Like this would be cool to knock out Rodgers, but it certainly does... I bet you the line changes by a lot
0: once the Seahawks beat the Rams, if they do. Well, what do you think the Sunday night game should have been?
2: I, you know what? I think it should have been Titans-Jaguars, and you can laugh me off this thing. I, it was a win-in. I, and I and
0: 100% it, agree with you. I right? think they like, should have gone... I think that would have done the Saturday. I would have done the Seattle Rams-Green Bay-Detroit combo.
2: I like that. I like that. And you just might have, have it all wrapped up in one day. Because of the different time windows. But I, I don't know. I felt like... The the still the, the winning of a division and winning in is so pure that I, I think yeah. we'll all watch it anyway. I know you don't want to put that product from Tennessee on the field, but watch. They'll play it Saturday night. We're all going to watch. And Derrick Henry will probably gobble up 200 yards and we'll be like, this is a pretty good game.
0: Right. Or it's 38 to 10. <laughs> There's a Rams-Lions scenario plus 883. If we we're thinking uh, just a for fun, underdog parlay. Yeah. Rams somehow beat the I don't, see, I I don't the see the
2: Rams. I, I, want, I want to believe that, like, the Bobby Wagner storyline and McVay gets, like, I just, I think there's just so much more on the line for Seattle, and it's, I, there's only one game. They I lost their best linebacker.
0: History.
2: Yeah, Jordan Brooks is out. There was a game in 2003 that the Arizona Cardinals played the Minnesota Vikings in the final week of the season. Cardinals had nothing going for them. Josh McCown was their quarterback. There was no reason to play. And the Vikings just had to win it in, an and the Cardinals beat them in Arizona on the final play to a guy named Nathan Poole. And it's mm. like, that's the only one I have where a team that had zero to play for went and just beat a team that had everything to play for. And I'm sure there are other examples. Well, no, there was
0: an example last year.
2: Colts and Jaguars. Yeah. yeah. You're Although right.
0: That was more of a Wentz. Now Wentz is out of the league. That's that crazy. happened fast. Wow. What did that escalate? In the words <laughs> of, uh, of Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Brick killed the guy. Carson Wentz is out of the league. How about the
2: commanders last week? They get (laughs) so many things. First, they announced a new mascot week 17. It was this giant pig. (laughs) Then they get eliminated. Then the Rivera press conference. I don't even blame Ron. That is such a franchise top to bottom. Sure, I blame him. But like, how is there not a PR person or an executive during the week saying, you know, there is a chance we get eliminated here for him to not know was stunning.
0: Well, every week, every last week of the season, there's some stupid upset, like the Jags Colts last year. Somebody's yeah. somebody's teas just get set on fire. The and last year it was the Colts somehow not winning. Insane. That just just absolutely demolished. Insane. I would say seventy five percent of the gambling world. That one though, young team,
2: like one win, like they have everything to play. Like
0: the team. So what's are, the version of that this week?
2: I don't know the like. I would look at the Eagles and Giants and I would say the Eagles are an absolute lock. There is no chance the Eagles are losing that. Because the Giants aren't, the aren't going
0: to care. They, they
2: can't go up. They can't go down. They're already in the playoffs. So it's not like, hey, young guys, go put on some good tape. Like we have more football to play. Like to me, the Eagles are a guarantee. They are
0: going to win that game. All right. So cross them off. Bears Vikings. I wa- I was thinking about the Vikings in a tease too, even though I haven't loved how they're playing. But at the same time, like no field, no field, and Chicago like some legitimate draft stuff now and play for yeah. them, right? Yeah, like that. They, yeah. Like them winning this game. If I was a Bears fan, I would absolutely lose my mind. We've seen this happen sometimes with the New York teams. Like the Knicks yep. have done this a couple times. The Jets, Jets have done it. Multiple that's how they years. lost Trevor Lawrence. It would actually be irresponsible for the Bears to. <laughs> it would be win this game. So, one monkey wrench team I was looking at was the Raiders. Let's go.
2: Raiders
0: They're plus Chiefs nine and a Saturday. half, Plus nine and a half. I was so impressed with them in that 49ers St- game. I thought they went toe-to-toe with them. I thought the 49ers played pretty well. Raiders just made great plays. Like, Stidham had a couple plays where awesome. the Niners did everything right. And yeah. they fucking crushed him as he was throwing it, and he still made a play. So, I... I think the Raiders might actually be like a sneaky, decent team that just had some bad luck and some weird things happen. And, and the an Chiefs interesting... just love letting people hang around and hang yeah. around and hang around. Couple thoughts on the Raiders.
2: Interesting to see how that team responded when everyone in the media, including myself, was pretty, you know, disappointed with how things were handled with Derek Carr. And I did get sources yeah. tell me that there are people in that building who predated McDaniels and Ziegler who weren't thrilled with the way it was handled, but there was no one in the building who, you know, was saying that Stidham didn't deserve a chance. From what everything I was told after the fact, Stidham's been lighting up in practice. He knows McDaniel's yeah. offense. Josh trusts him because they were together in New England. He was Josh's guy in New England before they went to Cam Newton. Like, there's a lot of love for Stidham in that building, and the way they all responded, including Devonte Adams, you get the feeling that they all kind of knew that maybe Carr's days were done, and it was time to at least roll out Stidham before the season was over.
0: I thought Carr looked shot this season.
2: I think I think this could have not have gone worse for Derek Carr the way this all played out, especially with Stidham how he played, and then. When those guys,
0: when they, when they start, when they don't want to get hit anymore, and they start checking down and just trying to scramble away from contact, it's usually a bad sign. Yeah, Uh, and they're talking. Yeah, Curry, good run. He made some money. Like it's there's no shame in it, but he wasn't the guy he was last year.
2: No, and his contract's interesting. Um, Three days after the Super Bowl, he's guaranteed forty million dollars. So assume he won't be on the Raiders. The question is. Can you trade him? I don't even know if anyone's no, looking to trade I, him. I
0: think it's he's a- I think he's in that kind of Matt Ryan zone. Like Matt Ryan leaving the Falcons last year where he's a name. There's mm-hmm. past performance, but if you actually watched, didn't seem like he had it anymore. The Raiders, there's an adjusted line on FanDuel where you could take them to plus four and a half and they're plus okay. 168.
2: Mind you, the Chiefs need this game for the
0: one seed. How many weeks in a row can we watch them fuck around?
2: And the other oh. thing is, there's some records here and I don't know if they, they could but like what is Mahomes, it, four
0: thirty for Mahomes?
2: Four thirty for Mahomes, and I know it's in more games, but it still counts. He would break the all-time passing record list and then Kelsey with one thirteen, which is doable, or one seventeen, would have the all-time single season tight end receiving yards list, which I don't think anyone's, you know, hanging banners over that, but it's a stat. Yeah. Um, they could be if they're up early, they could be looking to to not just take the foot off the pedal. They could be knowing they have a bye the following week if they just win, they could be looking to air it out with Mahomes and put on a show here.
0: Jags line's up to six and a half. All right. Get in the, on it uh,
2: let's get to Jags in before it gets even higher.
0: The uh the only other when you're just talking about underdogs. Patriots. Patriots. If Patriots, you just we don't know. If what you just we're want to get fired up about the defense and that's but I I I wouldn't bet against the Bills. I wouldn't. What feel about right David about
2: Blau? That. David Blau, who looked good against the you know the last week against Atlanta. David Blau against the Niners. Any shot?
0: Cliff's last stand. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know if that's true, man. Do you think Cliff at some point was like, hey, those hard knock cameras? Can we pull the? <laughs> Batteries out of those? Did you watch this week's David? <laughs> no, doing, I can't watch. It's da- painful. David
2: Plow was doing magic tricks for Cliff, and Cliff looks mildly interested. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's like directed by Noah Baumbach. Just people. It is.
2: It is. It's like Adam Driver
0: shows up as the offensive coordinator, just screaming at people. It's pretty David brutal. Brow's
2: got a deck of cards doing tricks, and Cliff like does, doesn't even seem that into it.
0: <laughs> Jesus, what about uh, what about Washington and Sam Howell plus seven? No,
2: I don't. I can't watch that team. No, no. Nope. All right, so Cowboys, who's going to be the nope. surprise team then? All right, we got Tampa, who says they're playing their starters. Yeah, I'm against- not.
0: We, I'm not doing the nobody cares <laughs> games. I need some sort of incentive from somebody. There needs to be at least one. Oh my god! Like I do think Stidham fits the bill. I just I'm with you. It's you know Mahomes has some some personal stuff. Yeah, they can and- lock up the one seed. But it does have the makings of like and the Raiders are up ten nothing,
2: yeah, and that happened last week could get last year a similar game. the chiefs found themselves like down ten nothing to the Broncos, and you and I were all in on it. We're like, what the yeah. hell? And they pulled it out because I think Vic Fangio had some questionable clock management at the end with Drew Locke,
0: but questionable that was his <laughs> entire thing. all right. we have for Chiefs Raiders announcers. do you know I, is it is it like Lewis Riddick and Steve Levy, who do we got? Um, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Dan Orlovsky. Let's go. Could you hear Steve Levy's voice going, and Jared Stidham <laughs> has given the Raiders a 14-0 lead. Um, a, okay. Uh, Alright, so
2: let's just say this. I think Eagles win. I know that's not shocking, but like I like yeah, them to win by a lot. That's their
0: 14-point favorite. Thanks, Riggs. <laughs> 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 How about this? I'll give you I give you a Bengals Broncos minus two and a half over the chargers. Okay. Where the chargers might have their second string in for that game. Jaguars minus six Vikings minus seven half, four team tees, three to one odds.
2: Yeah, let's do it. That's our big one.
0: Bengals Broncos Jags Vikes. And Eagles. You want to throw the Eagles there? No. Then, uh, then we could do the uh, just the Steelers straight up, even though it's yeah. a rat line. And then if it loses, we can have fun with what a rat line it was.
2: Where are we at for the season? This is week 18. Of course, we go into the playoffs, but I feel like we're going to end up even for the season going into the playoffs.
0: We're down 889. Last week was tough. That Dolphins game was Dolphins a big swing hurt. for us, which the I feel like we had. Dolphins hurt us good. last couple weeks. Yeah, Dolphins yeah.
2: burned us. Steelers were good to us, though.
0: Oh, well, maybe we ride them again. All right, Shregs, good to see you. Uh, next time I see you, it'll be playoff time. Yeah, baby. It's our time. Every three years in a row, we've done really well. Um, uh,
2: John Madden used to say, football doesn't matter until after Thanksgiving. For million-dollar picks, we start in the playoffs. Let's go.
0: You don't think there's any sort of a Rams-McVay? No, 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 no. no. Nothing? Stay away I from the Rams. Don't don't touch the Rams. Okay. All right. Good to see you, Shrix. Bye, bud. All right. So I'm taping this part. It's past nine o'clock Pacific time. You just heard me and Schrager talking about wondering what the ramifications were going to be of the Buffalo-Cincinnati decision. Well, now we know. They have this whole neutral site thing they've announced, and it's going to affect million-dollar picks. It's also going to affect the playoff seeding. Basically, if KC wins, that guarantees that they're the one seed and that they would host the AFC title game against anyone other than Buffalo. If Buffalo loses, we're done. We don't have to think about this again. If KC wins and Buffalo wins, and then they both make the AFC title game. I guess that game's going to be played at a neutral site. Now, this is important for million-dollar picks because now Buffalo, we know they're going to have to try this week. Not that we didn't think they were going to try anyway. Buffalo could be the number one seed if Casey loses. Then we don't have to worry about the neutral site thing. If Buffalo and Casey both win, Buffalo's the two seed. We get all the neutral site stuff. If Cincy beats Baltimore... And both Buffalo and KC lose since he becomes the two seed. But they cannot become the one seed. But they would not have to play KC in Kansas City in the AFC title game. That would also be a neutral site game. That is really complicated. I don't even know if I explained that correctly. Um, The bottom line is everyone has to care this week, which is what we want from a million-dollar pick standpoint. So here we go. The million-dollar picks for week 18. We're going to start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers. John Jastrzemski calls this a rat line. I agree with him. I almost think it's deceivingly deceiving. All right, what does that mean? How can something be deceivingly deceiving? It's deceiving in the sense that, wait, why is this line only two and a half? What am I missing? I'm going to stay away. But maybe that's why you shouldn't stay away. I'm going to judge it on this. I think the Steelers are really good. I like their defense. I think they have a great coach. I think it's been a great story. They've been rags to riches during this season. I believe in Kenny Pickett, and I think the line should be higher. I think the line should be three and a half. So I'm going to grab the Steelers, minus two and a half. We're going to bet $500,000 on that. Next one. So I was going to do teases, parlays, all this stuff. I abandoned that. I'm just going straight up. 500K in the Jets. It's plus two right now. This is basically a bet against Skylar Thompson. This is a bet against Robert Sala. Schrager says he's safe. Who knows? I just know the Jets don't want to lose six in a row. Talent standpoint, they're pretty even. I think when you remove two in that quick pass offense from Miami, on top of the fact that their defense, like, The Bradley Chubb trade, they gave up a first round pick for him. I can't think of three things he's done all season. Um, It feels like their defense is going the wrong way. And I just, either team can win. I'll take the points. Jets plus two, 500,000 on that. Next one. We're going to do a little tease with the Bengals, who we now know has to win. um, Playing the Ravens. Tease them down to one and a half with the Jaguars against the Titans. Now, I go into that Jaguars-Titans game fully knowing that it's a little bit of a trap. Vrabel's been in this position before where he just scraps it together. But Josh Dobbs was not in the National Football League three weeks ago. So maybe Vrabel's revenge on us will be that the Jags will win but not cover. I don't care. I'm teasing them down to even. I'm betting $500,000 on a Bengals-Jags tease. Lions-Green Bay. Got to bet on this game. My theory is this. Whether the Lions have something to play for or not, and odds are they won't. That's actually like a nice position to be in. It's like, you know what? This is our playoff game now. Let's knock the, let's knock the Packers out of the playoffs and send Seattle in if Seattle beats the Rams. I'm assuming they're going to beat the Rams. Seattle doesn't beat the Rams, even better. Now the Lions and Green Bay, it's, to, it's do or die. I just think this line should be lower. This is a three-point line to me. I still don't know. Green Bay, you know, they won a couple games against bad teams. They had that Miami game where all of a sudden Tua gets hurt. It flips. Green Bay's back in. Everyone's like, oh, don't let Rodgers in. Um, And they looked really good against Minnesota last week. But Minnesota also, you know, they lose their backup center. They're in their third string center. Um, It just felt like their offensive line collapsed, which is why we're not betting the Vikings this week. They have no offensive line anymore. The Bears don't even want to win. I don't want to bet the Vikings. It just feels like a tight game to me. I think the Lions can score. I think they have cheap touchdown potential. And uh, we're going to take the Lions plus four and a half. I know I'm taking Jared Goff and Lambeau on a must-win game. I'm aware. 500K on that. And then last but not least, we're going to do a little 50K underdog parlay, adjusted line. We're going to take Washington. We're going to bring them down to plus four and a half against Dallas. And we're going to take the Raiders down to plus four and a half against the Chiefs. Just guessing that these games are going to be close. Plus 529 for those. And that's it. Those are the million dollar picks for the last week of the season. Week 18, we are down $1.15 million for the season. Hopefully, we'll be in the positive when we get to the playoffs. Until then. All right. That's it for the podcast. Thanks to Rob Mahoney. Thanks to Peter Schrager. Thanks to. Nephew Kyle, Kyle Creighton, as always. And I will see you on this podcast on Sunday night. Go Pats. Go Crossroads. This episode is brought to you by Dr. Squatch. What you use in your personal care routine matters, so upgrade your lineup with Dr. Squatch. They have high performing natural products with no harmful ingredients. That'll have you looking and smelling your best, like their Wood Barrel Bourbon Bar Soap and Lotion, or their Bay Rum Deodorant. They even have some limited edition soaps, like their Avengers and Star Wars collections. Those seem like they'd be fun to try. And right now, They have an amazing offer for new customers. Get 20% off your first purchase of any amount or a subscription order by going to drsquatch.com slash Simmons or use the code Simmons at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and
1: how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.